You are listening to Theosophia Podcast, a platform for women's voices in theology, curated by Sarah Elizabeth Smith and Kelsey Davis. Be sure to check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Theosophia and consider supporting this labor of love project for women's empowerment. This week, Kelsey and I chat about stories to continue our mini-series on story. We explore what it means to share stories, what stories do to us, how they impact the way we see the world, how we see ourselves, and how stories are created and for what purpose. Hope you all enjoy. Here's Kelsey and I and our thoughts on stories. I'm really excited to be doing a mini-series mini on story, and um, it's something that I've been thinking about actually for most of my life, you know, but really concentrated um, the last couple of months as, as I've been, you know, helping to build new communities um, in the church and, you know, encountering more more people and new people and helping to facilitate conversation and community. I've been thinking about what it means to, to share story and what stories do to us and um, where God is in them. Um, so I'm excited we're doing this mini series that launched last week with, with Margot and filmmaking. Mm-hmm. So um, Sarah, why, why are you excited about a mini series on story? Because the last game of Thrones episode uh, on Sunday included <laughs> included a very key like moment about exactly this i mean that's not the only reason but this fired me up for any game of thrones fans out there so Tyrion, do you have you watched the series kelsey i know nothing about game game of thrones i know it's terrible but but go ahead and tell me anyway all right so Tyrion, i don't know if it was apps after he got like captured and Daenerys got pissed at him, but he starts talking about how important stories are and that's what people need to get behind to like survive and not let, um, you know, everyone kill each other and in the world. Mm -hmm. And he says, what unites people, armies, gold flags. And he starts naming all these things people get amped up about. And he was like, no, stories do. There's nothing in the world more powerful than a good story. Nothing can stop Mm -hmm. it, and no enemy can defeat it. And I thought that was just so, like, pointed and spot on to what we've both been thinking about in terms of the podcast and in our own uh, contexts doing ministry. But that's, that's what ultimately are behind these things. I think what he was naming are like common symbols that people get amped up about, but those symbols like flags or even sayings um, like don't mean anything unless there's a story holding that together and like the collective consciousness. Right. And those, how Mm -hmm. those, that's how things move in the world. Um, They have to have a story behind them. So anyways, I just thought that was really cool how he he kind of wrapped that was kind of like the pinnacle of the the whole last season 
of Game mm. of Thrones. So, anyways. That's pretty cool. And, you know, I think that, you know, a, a small story of where I'm at in my day, I was walking through Palo Alto around Stanford and um, walked by one of these little weekly magazine digest things, you know, that a lot of different cities have. And on the cover are two individuals and in the corner it says short story contest tales of self-discovery and I picked it up and there's all of these incredible stories from youth and young adults and adults writing their own narratives on sort of you know self-discovery and so what really impacted me about looking through some of their stories is yes that they're important to have, they're, they're sort of everything to the human experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, stories are as old as, as we are, I mean, and as a, as a human, you know, race. Um, but then also that there are stories that are life-giving, and there are also stories that, that aren't, aren't serving us very well, that, that can be very death-dealing, death right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, paying attention to the stories that we are inheriting and also the stories that we are continuing to breathe life into is really important. Mm-hmm. And, and you and I have talked a lot about, and Margo and I talked a lot about on the previous podcast, um, you know, what we, how do we create space for stories to surface that have been historically um, repressed or oppressed or marginalized or silenced, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause there are voices always shaping us but but what are those voices and and that's i think part of the reason for this podcast and you know for your dreaming of of its inception was that you wanted to offer a platform for for more you know female identifying women's voices you know to have a place to share their story right yeah and i thought what was really uh maybe pointed that the the example that you brought of how to start getting back these stories. And I think you're alluding to this of recovering stories or paying attention to stories Mm -hmm. that um, have been repressed is giving the example of how Jesus asked significantly more questions than he did ever give answers or, or tell anything. Um, So a majority of what he was doing was listening to people's stories. And like you said, listening and asking questions and mm. obviously as as co-hosts of a podcast that's what we're doing constantly is asking questions is in excavating right out of people stories mm. and getting their them to to speak their truth and talk about their lives and that's the only way that happens almost i mean unless mm. i mean it's very hard you know when people are told that they don't matter they're not valued I think historically, think about LGBT stories. We don't hear about them. We don't know about LGBT history. I mean, I think we're starting to tell that story a little more, like me and you both know about the Stonewall riots, right? But I didn't learn about the Stonewall riots until divinity school, right? Until my second master's degree. Um, And I was, you know, almost 30 years old by that point. So even like, that's, I think, what we're thinking about here too, and and something that... uh, is close to our hearts and part of our stories is the LGBT story uh, just in our own country and that how that um, those stories get repressed if, 
if no one ever talks about them and but two like if no one asks the question and right. i think that's so important and i love that you brought that up with talking about jesus being an example of somebody who asks questions mm -hmm. um and i mm -hmm. feel like that's a huge responsibility for for folks who do have power and who do have kind of the normal or the normalized standard of life, whether that be, you know, and being white and being male or being, you know, all the things that um, being an, an American citizen, um, whatever it is that gives folks that kind of more elevated status, they don't realize that their narrative has become the dominant narrative and that just because that's the narrative we hear, I'm kind of just rambling here, sorry. Um, doesn't mean that that's the only narrative out there or that's the most true narrative, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and what I hear in that too is, you know, that story, stories have the power to shape us. They do shape us. Um, so paying attention to, to what stories are being told Mm -hmm. around you mm -hmm. um what stories are in our textbooks you know like you said you didn't learn about stonewall until divinity school you know what are the stories in our textbooks in our educational systems um what is the story of your faith tradition or media making system you know what are those stories that are, mm -hmm. are shaping your consciousness um and always paying attention to um, whose story is not at the table right now mm -hmm. and whose perspective do I need to learn and, and how do I then become curious about people and people's mm -hmm. stories? Because you, you know, you and I have been friends for over a decade and there's still something to learn about each other's story. Mm -hmm. And we still have a responsibility to stay curious about each other um, because we're always evolving. Our story's always being written. Mm -hmm. and, and in some ways, you know, that creates a lot of agency that, that your story is always being written. And it also creates a lot of accountability to each other to allow for people's stories to continue to evolve. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, it starts with awareness, I think, and then the awareness evolves into good questions and curiosity mm -hmm. that has has no end point right um and that's part of this too right because when we talk about social structures or um systems of power how this all how this all flows is that we have to continuously stay curious about each other um because as soon as we've literally written someone's story off mm. right we've written that person off as well. Or we think we know their and story. We exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so I wonder if we can get real for a second and maybe share, um, you know, a way maybe for each of us that, that we've worked to reclaim mm. a part of our narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. really good. I like that, Kelsey. Um, I think, yeah. like, the biggest one for me growing up has been to claim my queerness. <laughs> I mean, that's been a really, yeah. really tough thing. Um, and I never thought I could talk about it. Goodness. I mean, 
even into my first stint in graduate school, it's not something I felt safe to talk to anyone about. I didn't know who was safe to talk about, to talk to that about. My church failed me, you know, deep into my youth experience, trying to talk about this um, in confidence. And, um, and I learned really bad, like you said, death dealing things about for me, what it meant to be human um, meant theologically that I was a piece of shit and wasn't worthy. And I was, you know, I hated myself. Right. And there was nothing I could do to reconcile what the church was telling me about myself and my desires um, psychologically and by, you know, biologically my desires um, were evil and misguided and unnatural and all the things that throughout time we've been telling people, uh, queer people. But then to meet a lot of other LGBT people and be mentored and start creating community and family that affirmed me and started to love me for who I was. And I think the, some of the very first people to do that was my, my time at Notre Dame, whether it be my professors or my coaches, my teammates, um, my, my mentors, Charmel and Diane. I mean, people that really just loved on me and kind of, redid my childhood for me slowly to help me create new narrative of, of what I was telling myself about myself. Right. Um, I mean, not only did they tell me that God loved me, but that they loved me and this is what love looked like and, and that I should love myself. And that was a super long journey. Very, very long. But the story I was telling myself was killing me literally. Um, and it was learned. It was a learned story. It wasn't something that uh, I created. It was something given to me that I chose to accept. And once I realized I had the power to say, nope, I loved Jen Hatmaker said something, had a really beautiful Instagram post today, actually, about, you know, we can choose to let go of these systems and structures and institutions that tell us, you know, LGBT people aren't worthy or people of color don't matter, whatever it is, you know, or women don't deserve to be, you know, preaching from the pulpit, you know, we can choose to walk out and we can choose, basically she was saying, we can choose our own narrative. We don't have to keep feeding these institutions that, you know, serve death dealing theologies. Um, I think once I realized I had the power to do that and God was, God's song inside me was so different. And that was good and a gift from God. Um, and once I started believing that and living into that, uh, I mean, it saved my life 100%. Super powerful. How about you? Yeah. Well, that's, that's really powerful. And I hope, I hope what you just shared can, can resonate with, with our listeners um, because that's also what, story has the power to do is that you know I was I was looking up the etymology of the word story because I like that sort of thing and I, I like to play with words mm -hmm. and and was realizing that you know the word story like yes we think about it in terms of narrative but story is also um, 
you know, in the English language understood in terms of um, like a building, right? Like story is like you can be on the first story or the second story or the third story of a building. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but that is, but, but that sort of definition understanding is that it is, it is the place in which your feet find its foundation. Mm. And, and so I, I just love that image of thinking about stories as, as that which our feet are finding foundation. And so what is the foundation upon, like which upon you are standing? And so I love what you just shared because you had an inherited story that was given to you that was death feeling, fundamental to, to how you love and how you move through the world, you know, as a queer woman. And, and that you did the hard work and the communal work of reclaiming that foundation so that now your feet are on, are on solid ground. Yeah. So you can flourish and be you. And, and that is really, really powerful. And theologically, we would probably talk about that as remembering. Mm-hmm. Like the act of literally putting the pieces back together so that it's, it's more whole and it's, it's, it's healing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's beautiful. So for me, um, I mean, so much of what you just shared resonates with, with my story also. Um, growing up, you know, coming out and, um, you know, identifying as a queer woman in this world and, and wrestling with, with Christian narrative, but also, you know, societal narratives that somehow wanted to make me feel like there was something wrong with me that needed to be fixed or that was broken, um, instead of sort of helping me learn how to love um, more fully and more ethically and um, from a place of health. And, and so, you know, I resonate with a lot of what you just shared. And I think just to take it a little bit sort of more nuanced is that, you know, on the Enneagram, I'm a three and us threes are, are typically known for our doing and for our performance and achievement. And so one of the, you know, social narratives that was handed to me at a very, very young age was that I would only be worth something if I was producing and achieving. And so what happened was that when I was a a young little girl is that I started to realize that I was getting attention for getting straight A's or for being a champion in soccer or for having all of these different gifts and talents. And what it did is it caused me to become dependent on those external affirmations instead of be feeling like I was loved just because I was a living, breathing human being on this planet who deserves to be loved just like every one of us. Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways that my story right now is, is actively being rewritten is, is, is how I am starting to understand that I am in fact um, incredibly loved and incredibly worthwhile and that, that people want to be in my life and be friends with me, not because of what I achieve or how I perform, but because of just who I am. Mm-hmm. And so discovering the story of who I am as a human being is, is one of the most profound journeys that I've ever been on. And, and that's something that I'm learning at 32 really delve into apart from the achievement stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, but that is, that is one example of a social narrative that I think is handed, especially in the United States of America, that, that we sort of, I, 
idolatrize, you know, achievement and, and this quote unquote false narrative of bootstrapping. And mm-hmm. we, we prize the extroverts, we prize the achievers and the people who are climbing up the ladder. And, um, and that's just not true because we're not what we do, right? Like we're not, I'm not what I do. Um, I, I believe that we're all deeply loved for who we are. And what we, what we do is, is a reflection of who we believe that we are. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. It's, it's changing everything though. I mean, it's, you know, to, to really delve into, to, to the being side of myself and not just focusing on the doing, mm-hmm. it's really uncomfortable. Yeah. And and so that process of reclaiming and rewriting narrative, um, it can kind of shake us up a bit, you know, because it's a little disorienting until mm. we can find our footing again. One hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's good. Yeah, and I I I really appreciate, you know, and I I wonder. You know, I appreciate the different mediums for how stories can be conveyed. Mm-hmm. You know, through the arts, through through narrative, through film, um, through you know spoken word, all that kind of stuff. And um, and you know, I I wonder for for the listeners too. You know what what sort of one of one of their favorite forms of not only hearing story, but you know, recounting and remembering your own story. You know, how, how do you like to do that? Is it poetry or storytelling? Is it, is it, you know, visual? Is it photography? You know, um, there's, there's a million ways to, to, to recount our stories. Mm -hmm. And um, so I say, get, get creative with it. Yeah. I think one of my favorite ways, um, and I really like how Dr. Armour uh, did this in her her most recent book, um, is using photography and how photography um, in culture, whatever, like story, you know, say there was a headline and there's a picture attached to it, what that picture is conveying, um, not just with what was written, like underneath, but like why the particular picture was used to talk about the story whatever the story is like I said um right and and that's where I really love Instagram and why I think Instagram's so popular um and it's probably the biggest social media platform for our generation right now um is because pictures are really powerful in telling stories and you know like you get on there and you you think everyone has a perfect life and they're only showing you know particular you know, perspective of their life, which is, it's, that's very powerful. If you only show, you know, happy, sunny days all the time, people create narratives in their heads about your life. And that's what you want them to do. You want them to think you're, you're, everything's great. And I mean, perhaps, but I'm just, you know, saying that's one way that our, definitely our culture right now is, utilizing storytelling of our own lives is through our social media usage. Um, Mm. And I, I really enjoy it because I just, I find pictures and video really interesting um, 
to learn about what my friends are doing in their life, but also like having to step back and say, this is, although this is really cool and beautiful, like at the same time it is limiting and it doesn't capture quote unquote, the full picture of what's going on in their life. Right. There is no 360 degree view. Like you like to use that analogy sometimes when looking at someone's life, like it's really a snapshot, but from that snapshot, it's crazy how much we infer and create in our minds about somebody just from one snapshot. Um, Mm. Again, we're missing the 360. It's literally this one dimensional, you know, image we get, but what we do with that in our heads is, is wild. Um, And it's hard when you're, you're scrolling every day through one dimensional pictures, the things that you come up with that aren't, they're they're actually not really real, (laughs) even though Mm. they're, they're entertaining. Um, it's interesting how much we invest in it, even when we know in our right mind and using reason, it's not the full picture. So that's, that's really insightful. And what I hear in that too, um, is a, is a question of, you know, the fancy word, you know, hermeneutic, Mm -hmm. which means interpretation. Mm -hmm. And it's a theological term um, that gets thrown around in discussion or discourse. And hermeneutic is basically it's it's the process of doing exactly what you just described, which is, you know, reading or looking at something and then interpreting it and making meaning from it right. um, in a modern context. And what you just described about the process of Instagram, of scrolling through Instagram as a snapshot and a, a, a one-dimensional picture and understanding that's one entry point, but there's a 360 degree story around that entry point that right. maybe we don't know. Right. That's exactly how I understand what it means to read scripture and sacred texts. Mm. Is that we're plugging in, right? You open up for us, you know, for you and me, we identify as Christian. We open up the, the Bible as our sacred text and we're plugging away. And even though, you know, it's pages and pages and pages, there's still nuggets of snap. There's snapshots yes. of of a story that has 360 degrees of context and meaning making and and yes. everything else around it that mm-hmm. that you and I can't ever know. And so the beauty of that is that it invites our imaginations. Yeah, and it invites our hermeneutic. Mm-hmm. The the hindrance there though is when we think that because we have this book in our hand we have the full complete story. Right. Yes, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and we know that um, you know if we're gonna take the metaphor of Instagram, which I think is an amazing example, that that we got a snapshot, but we don't have the full thing. Mm-hmm. And so sort of circling back to the beginning of our conversation, I think the key point is, is how do we stay curious about these stories that we are, we are looking into? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and what I would love to talk about, you know, is, is sort of what are some, some techniques for recalling our stories, um, you know, reclaiming our stories and then what that looks like in terms of remembering our stories for a future narrative that we want to live into. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I hope, I hope, you know, maybe next week we can talk about, 
some of those really practical strategies for, for doing those, those three movements mm -hmm. um, and invite, invite the listeners also into that process, a reflective process. Yeah. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Awesome. Yeah. It was really good. I love the Instagram thing. Yeah. It just, uh, I had it came about to you. That. It did. I thought about it before, you know, with, with Ellen's work, that's exactly what I thought of. I'm like, man, that's why I like Instagram so much. I love photography. It's beautiful. It's a, it's a great way to be imaginative. Uh, but, but oftentimes because of our like constant consumption of it, we only can, um, you know, get little, uh, snapshots and we don't take the time to be imaginative. We just make one snap, you know, thought, and then we move on. Um, yeah, very different than going to an art gallery and spending hours thinking and oogling over one, you know, painting. That's a very different right. way of interacting with something or an icon, right? You go to church and you're praying and meditating using an icon. Um, super different than, than this, like I said, constant need for consumption of things. You don't get to spend the time with it that you need to, to, to do that imaginative remembering recollection work. So, yeah. That's right. It's, it's really, really good. And, you know, the invitation I hear in that is, is to slow down with what we're consuming, you know, what, whatever form story's coming in and you just describe visually um, is to slow down with the images that we're seeing and, mm -hmm. and to really consider what story is being conveyed. Mm -hmm. um, and that, and that, that will, that will help, um, help us be a little bit more discerning. Yeah. You know? Thanks for joining us, y'all. We hope you will continue to think about stories and how they shape your life and start thinking about ways you enjoy encountering stories and how you enjoy sharing stories because next week, Kelsey and I will continue our conversation on this theme and offer some practical ways to engage in this process that is life-giving, informative. As always, be sure to stay in touch with us on all of our social media platforms and visit our Patreon page and consider supporting the Theosophia podcast. See y'all next week. Peace.